Hey, good morning, everyone. It's Rob here. Um, firstly, I just want to speak to you, Hannah. Um, I'm so glad not to be able to be with you today as we um, celebrate you and thank God for all that you have done over these last eight years working with Storehouse. Um, we've worked quite closely together over these last few years and I'm really going to miss working with you. Um, you know, I've seen firsthand how much you care, how passionate you are about the hungry, the poor, the hurting and the broken. Um, and you've really led us so well, you know, across the whole church, not just the storehouse team, not just the, sto- uh, the staff team, um, but around this whole area of compassion. You've really helped us. Um, to move forward and to be able to serve and to bless so many more people in our community. Um, I know you're not going anywhere, but at the same time, you have left an incredible legacy, Hannah. Um, and, and on top of that, I know this wasn't an easy decision for you to make, um, but your obedience to kind of follow what the Lord's leading is really inspirational. And I just want to thank you for listening and helping us into that journey as well. Um, I'm really excited about the future. I'm excited about um, Shabnam and Tati joining us um, and um, and seeing what's going to happen in the area of compassion at Riverside. Um, but also for you, Hannah, as well. I'm really excited about what the Lord is going to do in your life as well. So, Hannah, thank you and God bless you. And we love you and your family so much. And we're so grateful for you all. Thank you. So I, I just want to share um, a little bit today um, as we as we carry on our series, um, looking at reset um, as we go through the book of Nehemiah. Um, now, first of all, you probably noticed that I'm not in the room today. I had surgery on my ankle about a month ago. Many of you will know that um, recovery appears to be going well. So hopefully it won't be too long until I can see you all again. Um, with that in mind, the irony of what I'm about to say is not lost on me, but still, here we go. It is good to be together. You know, when we're together, we get to, you know, lift our eyes up from our own problems and we fix our eyes on the one where our help comes from. We get to sing and worship together. We can even have coffee and a donut together. Refreshments team, thank you for your hard work and getting that sorted for today. Um, We can make sense of who we are, what we're doing and where we're going in the presence of Jesus. Um, And I know many of us, me included, have found it incredibly hard this past year, being apart from one another. Um, and, And when we're apart from one another, it only goes to highlight the differences that we have. I mean, look around the world, see some of the divisions that we've seen in our world amplified so greatly over these past 18 months. Issues of race climate, identity, poverty. But you know, that was never how we were designed to do life. You see, we were created to do life in community. When we when we live in our own echo chamber, when we only hear our own views and opinions, it's really hard to deal with, um, with issues and, and um, opinions that come from other people. But we need to do this in a healthy way, in community, over coffee, over food, face to face with one another. And that's how we design to do life together. 
So um, as I share a few things this morning, we're going to read Nehemiah uh, chapter 3 today. Um, if you've missed the first couple of talks in the series, you can catch up online on our talks page. And there are also materials available for the small groups as well. Um, if you're listening today and you're exploring faith, you know, you are so incredibly welcome. Um, but likewise, you know, maybe um, you're really familiar with the Bible. Maybe you've read this passage on countless occasions I hope what I share is helpful to everybody here. So we're going to turn to Nehemiah 3. I'm going to grab my Bible. I'd encourage you to grab yours as well. Um, we're going to read um, just a few verses um, at the moment. Okay, so this is from verse 1. Eliashib, the high priest and his fellow priests, went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zakur, son of Imri, built next to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the, sounds of, by the sons of Hassanah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakoz repaired the next section. Next to him, Meshalem, son of Berechiah, the son of Meshazabul, made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, son of Bana, also made repairs. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. Apologies for the names there. I'm doing my best, but it's hard. However many times you read the passage, some of these names are just tricky. And that isn't the only reason why I'm going to stop there. Um, but that kind of sets the scene for the passage that we're, we're exploring today. You know, there's this pattern of people coming together to rebuild the walls of their city. And also, I just encourage you to keep hold of your Bibles because I will refer to a few verses later in the chapter. So let me just recap a little bit about this story, about where we are with Nehemiah. So um, many years before, the Israelites have been taken away from their home and they're in captivity in a place called Babylon. Um, and Nehemiah was born into captivity, um, but he's now doing quite well for himself. He's in the service of the king. Um, but as he's doing well, he suddenly gets this letter and he receives bad news about the state of the city he called home. It was in complete ruins. You know, everything they'd known had been torn down in it and it really had an impact on him. I just want, you know, this morning, how do you cope when you hear bad news? Maybe a parking fine, maybe some test results that didn't go so well, maybe job rejection, ending of a relationship. Maybe you've received more bad news in this past year than you feel you can cope with. What's interesting about Nehemiah is when he received his bad news, he acted. He did something about it. He was in a pretty solid place in his workplace, but he risked all that for the sake of the city and for the God that he loved. So he asked his boss, you can just imagine this conversation, he goes up to the king and he asked for permission to return home and, and not just for a short period of time. And then he extended it, um, but he's granted permission to do that because of the respect that he's built up with his boss, with the king. And so he returns and he sees that destruction for himself and it breaks his heart. Now, yesterday we did something called um, Riverside Vineyard Essentials and um, 
that's a, it's a great opportunity. If you haven't been through that before, I'd really encourage you to, to get signed up for the next one. Details will be around soon. Um, but one of the questions we ask at the end of the morning is this, is what do you see that is broken in the world around you? Maybe that's quite a simple question, but it's always incredible to see the responses. And, and I just want to throw that question out to you this morning. What do you see that's broken on your street? on your way to work, in your town centre, in your own home maybe. I think it can be really easy to ignore the brokenness that we see around us. But as followers of Jesus, we are called to lean into the trouble. Our prayers and our tears must lead to action. We see Nehemiah, he wept, he prayed, he planned, and he led the people into the action. So from Nehemiah's experience, I'm going to share three thoughts this morning on how we can reset our communities. So looking back at verse one, the building work starts at the sheep gate. So why, why the sheep gate? So the sheep gate is um, the closest gate to the temple. And this is where the sheep that were to be sacrificed um, would have been brought in. And it's Eliashab, I really should have nailed that name by now, the high priest who leads the rebuilding program there. I wonder how this would have been received. You know, this is the high priest. He gets to work. He gets his hands dirty. The spiritual leader in Israel, he didn't leave the hard work to be done by others. He got stuck right in and brought his people along with them. And I think this is really important because resetting starts with leaders who put words into action. I love what Eliashab does. He doesn't come up with excuses. He doesn't sit back whilst others get, others get tired and weary. He is actively involved in the rebuilding of the walls of his city. You see, real biblical leadership always leads to action. It tends to those who are struggling. It clears up the mess that is left behind. It serves others as Eliashab models here. And it can be tiring. And real biblical leaders always allow themselves to be led. You know, he, he might have been the spiritual leader, but the vision that he's implementing is all Nehemiah, coming from God. And that is so important. You can't lead others well if you're not willing to be led yourself. I'm so grateful for the leaders we have here at Riverside. You know, it is an incredible privilege to be led by Andy and Beth, and I don't say this to embarrass them, but I'm so incredibly grateful for how they have led us, uh, led our whole community, especially over this fascinating, hard last 18 months. So Andy and Beth, and thank you. We're really, really grateful for you. We also have an incredible pastoral team and staff team. We have service pastors, some of whom have been leading the services today. We have team leaders and overseers on Sundays and throughout the week. We have small group and cluster leaders. And so if you're leading in any way at Riverside Vineyard, I want to take the opportunity to thank you today. Thank you for all you are doing to help connect people with Jesus whether that be for the first or the 10,000th time, and to connect people with one another as well. Thank you. So who is a leader? You know, as I said, we've ha we have this large community at Riverside, but perhaps you have influence in other areas, maybe in your workplace, your home, your school, college, or team. Perhaps you're the only Christian in any of these environments. 
If you have influence, you are a leader and leadership matters. Now, if you want to find out a bit more about what it means to lead at at Riverside or any of these other areas, Andy and I run a a course called Leadership Essentials, and that's coming up again on November the 20th. And we'd love you to join us if you're exploring leadership. Perhaps you've done it before and you're leading in a new context. Come and join us. Or maybe you're leading a small group or a Sunday team and you see someone in your group who you think could lead. Why don't you invite them to join you? Or perhaps you just want to find out more. All the details are at the What's On page of the website. Really, you know, strong invitation for you to come and join us on that date. So resetting starts when leaders put words into action. But things begin to change when we come together. So, so far we focused on Eliashab. But throughout this chapter, if you read on, there are 50 other rather diverse people listed. There, is no, there are no skilled labourers mentioned here. There's no bricklayers you think, oh yeah, they'd be good at doing that. Now, I don't know about you, but maybe you exclude yourself from, from doing the stuff because you feel like you're too old or you're too young. Because you're single or because you have a family or because that really isn't my thing. That's not my gifting. That's not my spiritual gift. Lots of people say that to me. You see, in God's kingdom, what matters more than having a specific skill set is people who are willing to try. You remember we heard that from um, Jordan Seng, um, who's a pastor over in Hawaii. Hard life must be um, the other week. If you missed it, can I urge you to go back and have a listen? It will change your life. I know that's that's putting the stakes rather high. But if we put that kind of thing into practice, it will change our lives. We try we give it a go. Sometimes we might fail badly and that's okay. But sometimes when we try, good things happen. So what kind of people do we see in this chapter? Well, we see families serving together. I wonder what can you try as a family? We see crafts um, people, we see artists. Maybe now is the time for you to rise up. What can you do with your gift for the Lord? And in verse 12, we see women rebuilding the city. And I just want to take a moment just to speak specifically to women here. Now, if you've excluded yourself from any area of leadership, of any area of serving because you are a woman, I want to say to you this morning that you are enough. You see, we are all called to kingdom work regardless of our gender. And I think so often through church history, it's actually been the women that have taken the lead in this. But many of you have been squashed by your own church experience and history. I want to say to you that there is space for you to lead here at Riverside Vineyard. And I sense the Lord is stirring something in a number of women this morning. And we would love to pray for you a little bit later. Now, moving on to verse 14, we get to my favourite gate. The Dung Gate. Yes, I know. Very mature. But can you imagine giving that out as your address? You know, I just live up by the by Dung Gate. I mean, you wouldn't want to go there, would you? Literally. You know, the Dung Gate was where people would get rid of all the mess in the city. No one would want to work there. No one would want to be there. I mean, no one's going to stand up and say, you know what? I think my spiritual gift is in cleaning up mess. 
But in verse 14, we see that the dung gate was repaired by another one of these helpful names, Malkajar, son of Rechab, um, ruler of the district of Beth Hakarem. Now, do you know what Beth Hakarem means? It means the house of the vineyard. Isn't that awesome? The gate where all the mess was dealt with was rebuilt by the people of the house of the vineyard. Yes, we might be known as the Donut Church, and I hope you enjoyed yours this morning. But more than that, we are the church that is always going to remember the poor. That's always going to look after the hurt, the broken and the needy. And I sense the Lord is breaking something in a bunch of you this morning. As Hannah, Shabnam and Tati shared, something stirred in you and you know the Lord is speaking to you. We're going to have the opportunity to respond in a minute, but um, I'm just going to share one more thing before we do that. But don't ignore that stirring. That's the Lord speaking to you today. And the third and final thing is this. You know, a reset community thrives when we share life with others. Now, you might have seen that word repair pop up quite a few times in the passage we've read. Now, the original Hebrew word is shazak. um, And it's not just about fixing up things. It's about making things stronger, strengthening what has been weakened. And I don't know about you, but I feel the need to be strengthened. We need the presence of Jesus, but we also need the strength and support of other people. So we can make some sense of who we are, of what we're doing and where we're going. Now, Andy shared on Vision Sunday about something that's been stirring in us, the power of three. You see, Jesus had three close friends he walked with. But, you know, if Jesus needed people close to him, then how can we be bold enough to say, actually, I'm fine on my own? I've got three friends or a tri-group that I meet to share and to pray with. We also message each other when we're having a bad day and just asking for prayer in that moment. We support each other through difficult life stuff. We pray for each other and we look out for each other. And it's been a vital lifeline for me these past 18 months, especially as I've spent so much of it sat on this very sofa with my leg up for most of that time. Now, you may find um, that a tri group is going to be a really meaningful way for you to support and be supported. We want to help you do that in just a minute. You may equally find that a larger group, a small group, um, is the best way for you to connect with others. Now, many of these are now meeting face to face, some still online, to share with each other, to explore the Bible, to pray for one another, to worship together. And I'd love you to be able to experience the kind of support that many of us around our church family do, the kind of support that I have in my life. And I want to help you respond firstly in a really practical way. And we've made it very easy for you to do that. So underneath your seats, there are some small group cards. I would love you to grab one. Would you just wave that at me, even though I clearly can't see you, but I want to know that you've got it. Um, The first thing you need to do, grab a pen and fill out your details so that we can actually get back to you. Um, If it's the uh, tri-group that you're interested in, tick that box. Or if there's a small group that you'd like to be connected with, you may know the name of that, you may not, um, then indicate that on the form as well. Um, And you may also want to just kind of tick a a day of the week that works best for you. Tick as many as you can, that's going to make life easier for us. And very simply, we will do the rest for you. We will connect you with a group 
um, of people that are going to love and support you as you love and support them as well. So as you now take a moment to fill out that card, what I'm going to do is I'm going to hand back to the team in the room and we're going to take some time to respond together this morning in prayer.